Hi everyone, Erin here. So sorry to interrupt today's episode, but I have something amazing to share with you. Do you want to become a mindfulness or well-being strategist? Perhaps so. If you do, I have the exact program for you. In partnership with UPeace, United Nations Institution, we are offering a three-month training to certify people in mindfulness and well-being strategy. This is a three-month virtual program plus one-week in-person retreat in Osada, Costa Rica. This certificate is in partnership with UPeace, a United Nations international school that focuses on social innovation, entrepreneurship, and peace building. The certificate will train participants in meditation, mindfulness, coaching, positive psychology, emotional intelligence, new ways of healing, sales funnels, branding, overall modern day wellness and how you can launch and grow a business. As a graduate, you can take on one-on-one clients as a well-being strategist, offer wellness programming in corporations, schools, and more. Build your own wellness programming and learn how to attract clients and grow your business. Definitely check out The links in the footnotes would love, love, love to have you. Thanks so much for listening and hope to see you soon. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wise Women Podcast. Today, we have guest Nisha Moodley, women's leadership coach. In this podcast, we talk about time constructs, emotional eating, connecting to the body, Global Sisterhood Day, leaning into women, and deepening your relationships with women. Thank you for being here. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wise Women Podcast, featuring leading voices in 2019, supporting women to fully show up, connect to their feminine authenticity and truth. I am your host, Erin Rachel Doppel, bringing light to the marriage between Eastern practices and Western psychology, while encouraging you to show up for yourself and the world around you. May this be your time to shine. May you show up. I'm super pumped about today's guest. We have Nisha Moodley. She is a women's leadership coach and founder of Global Sisterhood Day. Hi, Nisha. Hi, Erin. So happy to be here. So happy to have you. How are you today? I am doing quite well and also juggling a lot of like random parenting things and, you know, just the, the, the juggle. I'm doing the juggle. Doing the juggle between a badass female entrepreneur and being a mom. How do you balance that? That is a good question. I'm figuring it out every day. (laughs) And it changes depending on what's happening with him and what's happening with me and what's happening with the business, but a lot of support. A lot of support. I absolutely agree. Just got to sit down, call on your sisters to show up, meditate, reground. Mm How did you start this incredible sisterhood business lifestyle? Mm. So my path was definitely, or has been, not was, it still exists, but my path has definitely been a sort of meandering path to where I am now. And so I think the the easiest starting place um, to to share this journey is that when I was in my early 20s, I became super passionate about environmental sustainability and human health and the intersection between those two things and spirituality. And so I, it was really actually going to asana yoga that started it for me. So finding, I st- luckily stumbled into the most incredible 
um, yoga space that I've ever experienced. And it became my spiritual home away from home. And uh, through that, just learning about well, connecting to my body, learning eventually about nutrition and health, and then getting super passionate about environmental sustainability. And at the time, I was working in the cosmetics industry. And so I started to experience this tremendous discord um, emotionally and just practically. Like I'm, I'm working in this industry that is very um, – it's very looks driven. It's very surface driven. And also I really felt like I was selling toxic products. And then I had this passion for environmental sustainability and health. And so I was like living a double life, going to work during the day, putting on my requisite 16 plus items of makeup, and then going home, washing it all off, going to yoga, you know, just living a totally different life. And so really felt like I lived a double life. And realized that I needed to make a switch and start living in deeper alignment. And I'm not going to go through all the details because that's a whole other story, but found my way eventually into studying nutrition at a school called Integrative Nutrition. I started working with women around emotional eating. And what I really discovered is that with emotional eating, it was really in many respects, not about the food. It was about what that compulsive kind of addictive behavior with food was soothing what it was covering up, what it was helping us escape from. And so then I got really passionate about supporting women with that deeper healing work and long story long, ended up moving my way into doing this leadership coaching, recognizing that I really love working with women who want to make a difference in the world. And I love it so deeply. And I really resonate with that pathway as well. I think I was also, I got certified in uh, functional medicine, health coaching, and then I was deciding between going back to school to study nutrition and dietetics or psychology. And I ended up ultimately choosing clinical psychology because it's the psychology of eating that makes us choose these specific foods. So Mm -hmm. you have to sit down with the loneliness. You got to sit down with the sexual frustration. You got to sit down with the boredom. And that's talk therapy. I mean, that's counseling. That's like understanding women and our hormones. Whole nother ball game. Totally. It's it's so much more complex than micro and macronutrients. And those things matter, but it just goes much deeper. And how about right now, your relationship to food? How does that feel? I know when we teach something, it oftentimes is also an example of overcoming some patterns that we also had in the past. Yeah. I mean, that's why I went into that. That's why I was working with women specifically around emotional eating, relationship with food and their bodies. So that was something that I deeply struggled with and realized at a certain point, like, oh, I've been an emotional eater my whole life. This has been my my comfort. This has been my friend. This has been the thing that helped me through my parents' divorce at a young age and not knowing how to be with my feelings or feeling deeply lonely as a child. It was food that was there for me all the time. So for me, you know, there was a huge healing journey that happened in my early, mid-20s around food that that precipitated me being able to step into that work and really hold it with depth. And, you know, now my relationship with food is just, it's really beautiful. You know, I, I feel a deeper connection with the earth and, um, 
my eating now is much more intuitive. And when I find myself emotionally eating, I'm able to also be with my emotions, you know? <laughs> and so it doesn't have the compulsive nature to it. It's like, oh yeah, I'm eating because I this is comfort. And also, can I connect with my body, connect with my emotions, connect with my food at the same time? And so it's a more, I think, regenerative, life-giving, um, nourishing relationship. And from a business that really started from this nourishing, connecting to emotional eating conversation, how did that grow into Global Sisterhood Day and all the mm -hmm. other programming you offer now? Mm -hmm. um, well, first of all, this is sort of two tracks. Um, one, working with women. I was working with women who were doing all sorts of things in their daily lives when I was working around emotional eating. And what I noticed was that I really, really loved working with women who were driven to make a difference and who were very naturally ambitious. Like if you left them alone on a desert island, pretty soon they would start building something, right? <laughs> and and um, and so, you know, after a nice vacay, maybe then we'll start building something. And so I was really um, drawn to women who were like me in that way, who were natural creators and really enjoyed the the, the creation, being creators in the world, um, and also who are driven to create things that would make a powerful difference in the world. So there was that recognition that I really loved working with those women. Um, and also my business was doing well. And so because my business was doing well, I was having people coming along who were also entrepreneurs saying, hey, can you help me with my business? And I remember the first few clients that came to me like that, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I can. I've never tried it before. Let's see what happens. And if you're not happy, I'll just give you your money back and we'll give it a shot. And I loved it. You know, I, I felt like I was able to be part of this ripple effect in this bigger way by supporting women who were, who were um, doing amazing work in the world, you know, in their, in their own right to, to support them in being more freed up and more clear to show up for and do that work. And so that's sort of what got me into leadership coaching was this recognition that if we are more freed up to show up in our work, in our lives, in the world, we're going to do incredible work. And we're going to contribute to the kind of future that I want for my child, that I want to be in, that I want my child to live in. And so it just feels to me like such a tremendous honor to be engaged in that, in that nature of work. Um, and then in terms of Global Sisterhood Day and the sort of sisterhood element that's woven into all of the other work that I do, that really came to me, oh, it's so beautiful, um, but there is sort of this uh, coalescence of multiple different events that were happening at the same time. One, I was married and my marriage was really, really struggling along and I had an incredible friend who was just doing real talk with me. Like she would call me up and be like, what's going on? And I talk about our relationship like I would talk about the weather. Be like, you know, it's hard, but we're working on it. And every day, da, 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 da. and she's like, cut the bullshit. Like what's really going on? You know, like what's really, really going on? And so I started to go deeper with my girlfriends and be more vulnerable, be more open, lean into them more be willing to be seen and be messy and also call on them for support. 
And in turn, of course, I was being called on for that deeper level of support as well. And I was experiencing just in my personal life, the profound healing effect of, of the deep relationships with women that I was developing in my life and, and deepening in my life. And then in my business, I had scaled from doing one-on-one to group work. And I was also with my groups seeing these incredible transformations for these women. And I recognized that it wasn't because we were doing accountability or anything like that. It was really because they had community and they had a space to share what was going on and to be witnessed lovingly, open-heartedly, to be supported, to be encouraged in that space. And so I just, it was like, I remember one day it was sort of like the veil was lifted and I could just see the profound healing impact of sisterhood and how it can bring up so in a really great way, bring up so much of our conditioning around competition and comparison and jealousy and judgment. And that because it's there, it's there to heal. And so now we can do the healing work of moving through and working with the places where we feel unlovable, unworthy, uh, less than, more than, better than, worse than, all the things that we do inside of the, a culture that conditions us to compare ourselves with one another and to, to find our place in the hierarchy of things. And really dismantling that is, I think, such a deep part of our healing work and our leadership. So that's how that came about. And now everything that I do really exists within the context of community and sisterhood. And if you're listening and this resonates with you, Nisha's a a mega inspiration of mine, a huge mentor. I highly, highly recommend checking her out. I'll put all her info in the footnotes. And Nisha, what I love to ask soul-driven, heart-based entrepreneurs What does it look like when it comes to the money? Like, what does it look like when you're transitioning from really that five to six figure business? What does that energy exchange feel like to you? Oh, wow. I mean, I think that money and the relationship with money is such a complex one because it's bound up in our relationship with time which is a total construct that we've all sort of like, okay, I guess we're going to agree to this now and operate inside of this linear time paradigm. Um, But this like, it's bound up in time and it's also bound up in our sense and idea of our worth, our identity, our value, the worth and value of our work. Um, and, And also security you know, a feeling of safety and security. So whereas the deepest level I feel of safety and security can be found through our connection with the earth, our connection with spirit or God, or however you define that for yourself, your connection with your body. Instead, we feel security through money because money has become the thing that allows us to have shelter and allows us to have food and allows us to, to, right? And so it's very complex And I think that anyone who is deeply engaged in their own healing work, whatever that may be, but certainly inside of entrepreneurship, um, our relationship with money is a big one for us to be in a deep, continual, perhaps, examination and exploration around. Because I feel like it's it's a relationship that most of us have a lot of healing to do around. Um, 
so there's that that came into play. I, I always think about like with any journey, there's the sort of like the how-to and the steps and what happened. And then there's also the internal healing aspect of the journey. And for me, a lot of that was around healing my relationship with money and looking at my relationship with time and my own worth value and sourcing a sense of intrinsic value, intrinsic worth that is has nothing to do with money, right? Is is um, exists in a different dimension and outside of, of money altogether. Um, so there's that um, from a really like tactical, practical, how it all happened perspective. For me, it's been a lot about looking at how I feel most called to serve, really. I mean, that is like the deepest question in my heart. How do I feel most called to serve at this time and as things grow and move? And um and change in my life because, you know, I became a mother a few years ago and how I feel called to serve is, is impacted by also showing up for my child and, um, and, you know, shepherding him in this life as well. And so that's just a continual question on my heart. And, and for me, the growth of my business has been guided by that question and then has looked on the outside, like um, moving from one-on-one -on -one work into group work moving from group work into sort of deeper, longer term, more deeply, intimately held group work, and then also creating programs and offerings that are more scalable, that are available to um, a larger number of people at the same time. So now I tend to run um, sort of higher touch, more deeply held masterminds and retreats, and then also online course I have an online course called Soul of Leadership um, that has about 400 women in it right now as well. So, yeah, that's been part of that journey for me. And, you know, I think the biggest part of the journey for me with entrepreneurship is and probably always will be the internal, the internal journey. That is so incredible. All those different streams to really share your great work with the world. And even this morning, I had an 11 o'clock meeting and the person I was meeting with asks me, what are you struggling with right now? Like, what is something that you're working on um, that you have a little bit of conflict with? And I said, I want to have time to write and I don't make time to write. And in that same breath, I know time isn't linear or time isn't real. And it's in those moments where you kind of watch your... I like to call it my crazy or like you watch your madness and like a, a little snapshot and it helps break up what's real and what's not like how to mm -hmm. look at the day and say, this is what's resonating with me. This is what I'm going to show up for. And kind of things like time and time always feels really masculine to me. So things like time and conversations around money and placing that out into what really feels comfortable in our bodies. Mm. Well, and I love this, like part of the freedom is on holding the paradox. You know, it's the paradox of uh, like, there's no absolute 
truth here, right? Like time is spiralic and nonlinear and malleable, and yet I am a human being and I'm operating inside of an agreement field with other human beings. And, you know, this linear time with time zones and clocks, and this is what time it is, (laughs) is an agreement. And I think the more we can hold that paradox and find the humor in it, but also find the places where we can be both free and integrous inside of it. You know, like how can I operate in this world with other human beings? Well, part of it is honoring commitments, being clear about the commitments that I'm making in the first place. And those commitments include time. And also I can hold the cosmic joke, hilarious paradox that time is also spiralic and an illusion. So how can I not feel bound by those commitments, but free inside of them by dancing with, playing with, and exploring my relationship with time? How can I expand time? And so I think it's just interesting, this little experiment that we incarnated to do called humaning, (laughs) that we, you know, we have these very um, narrow ways of existing and operating and seeing things, but we are actually vast beings. We are vast beings. I adore everything you say. I think your work is fabulous. Mm-hmm. And for all the women who are listening right now, if if maybe right now in this moment they don't feel connected or maybe they're feeling a little stressed out or anxious, what are some things that these women can do today or right now to shift and show up for themselves? I love this question. Um, I think that The thing for me or one of the things that has made the greatest impact in my life is connecting again and again to a greater vision for the world and for my own life as well. And holding, seeing and holding that vision every morning. And some days it's very murky. It's hard to see. I'm resistant to seeing, and some days it's super clear. But for me, the practice of every morning before I get into other things, just closing my eyes or keeping them closed and connecting with a bigger vision for humanity, for our world, and for my life, something that inspires me, something that calls me forward. Um, And I do have to say, you know, as a sort of relevant side note, that Over time, my vision for humanity, I've had to go through this um, kind of, I went through this very contracted period where I felt so much despair at the state of our world. And, you know, climate change is a real thing with real consequences. And there's, it's, it's complex. And in the place that I am in now, I actually experience a tremendous amount of hope, not because I've bypassed any of that recognition, but because I've, integrated it or I practice integrating it enough to recognize that we may face a lot of difficulty and challenge, just like I as a human being may face a lot of difficulty and challenge. And also we will be okay and even great. You know, that is what I see. I see that some things may fall away in my life, in our world, in order to make way for something amazing. And can I see what that amazing thing is? You know, can I be courageous enough and willing enough to see something amazing in our future and in my future that calls me forward? That thing, I think, creates a tremendous amount of um, connection. It's like the North Star. 
And I had a coach once um, named Brian Franklin who said that uh, direction matters more than position. And there's something about that that I love, which is we can be in a lot of confusion, despair, disconnection, you know, un- uncertainty, but then see where we're going and point ourselves in that direction, turn our shoulders in that direction and take one small step. And that's called momentum. That's called movement. That's called growth. So this North Star for me that I call on every morning to look to and see is, is to me one of the most deeply connecting things. Um, and then I, the other thing I would say is get yourself a crew. <laughs> If you don't have one, and if you do have one, value them more than you value your own money and time. You know, value that community, value those people. And I'm not saying, you know, give all your money to them or give all your time to them. But I think part of, of, of a anti-capitalist, you know, uh, integrated, healthy, nourished, regenerative system is prioritizing relationships over um, transactions. And the way that we tend to be with money and time is very transactional. Can we be relational with money and time? Can we be relational with other people? And so actually having people that, you know, when you're having a day that you just, you're in the pits, you know, or like, Mercury's gone retrograde and there's an eclipse and it's cancer season and, you know, something just happened and your debit card didn't go through, you know, and it's just like, I don't even know what to do. There's someone to call and cry with, you know, and, and be with. And that to me is one of the deepest forms of connection that we forget about. I mean, I could go on and on because there's the connection with our bodies and the earth as well. Um, and I find that humans, like other human beings, connecting with those people when we're feeling despair can bring us back home, walk us back home to ourselves. And then also this vision, you know, having a North Star that we can connect to. So powerful. And everything you just said, it really just, when it doesn't work out, it's a wink from the universe that there's another direction to flow into. And and mm. the relationships you referenced, I think loosely and sometimes i'll just call them soulmates like these are your soulmates and sometimes it's a romantic soulmate sometimes it's a a friend who shows up in a radical way now today that i'm taking on uh a lot of business coaching clients in the same way it sounded like it evolved for you i was doing the spiritual based counseling i was doing the mindfulness strategy and coaching and then people were coming and saying Aaron, I want to build a business like you. How do I do it? And very organically. And what I notice when I'm having these conversations or talking to people about, uh, right now I'm I'm launching a certificate in mindfulness and well-being strategy with the United Nations School that I'm very excited about. And whenever I hop on a phone call and I, I just encourage everyone to find their soulmate clients and they show up everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, newsletters, coffee shops. Even today I was sitting and meditating and I was clearing out some blocks because I feel like when I clear out the blocks and I just make it known and authentic that I'm ready to show up, I go to my Facebook to the, you know, when somebody's not a friend and they Facebook message you and it comes into that weird filter where it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. you have to go find them. Yeah. Yeah. I have to go. So I open that up and it's like all these soulmate clients, like all these like relationships that need to be made. And I was, it was such a wink, like it was such a profound nudge, like 
yo, Aaron, I got you. Don't worry. And like Mm -hmm. being held like that, it's so meaningful. Mm, It's so meaningful. And I think that we're aware that there are seven plus billion people on the planet and yet we can feel so alone and so much scarcity. And, you know, I I have had people ask me a lot, like, how do you get into an abundance mindset? Or how do you, you know, how do you magnetize more into your life? I'm like, look like deepen with what you have connect with what is already in front of you like start looking around and notice how much you really have and 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 connect you know you, the relationships in your life take them deeper ask those people invite them to go deeper connect more not to say that we can't develop new friendships or new relationships or make more money um who knows right but also connecting with what we have i think so that we soften the part inside of our systems that says I am not enough and there is not enough. Wow. I just got the chills, which is how I know I just resonate with everything you are sharing. Nisha, you're the best. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm loving being here. Thank you. And if you, if you resonate, you have to follow Nisha on Instagram. She shares super authentic content. I even. Oh, I'm so emo. (laughs) I think it's so good. I think it's so raw. It's so real. It's so feminine and juicy. And oh, I just, I love it. I really immensely resonate. And even the other day I was writing a newsletter and I was trying to like share something from like the uterus or like share something from like, like deeply solely aligned. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to call on some like Nisha energy and, and, and type this out. Aww. It's oh, so fun. It's so fun. And it, it was ended up being a really good newsletter. So oh, awesome. thank you. Oh, so, so right now you have, you're launching the mastermind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've um, I've run a women's mastermind for entrepreneurial women. You know, some artists, some um, activists, uh, community organizers, entrepreneurs, uh, you name it, uh, serial entrepreneurs, um, game changing women, um, and I've been doing that for ten years now. Maybe my tenth year, or maybe it is my tenth year. I'm going into my eleventh year, something like that. It's been a long time. So I've had um, a couple hundred women now have gone through the mastermind and I'm opening another one up right now. And it's just, I love it. You know, I get to go really deep with an intimate group of women and be in person together a couple times. And so that is some of my favorite work. That's beautiful. And I'll link to all of that in the footnotes so everybody here can check it out. And Nisha, what are some of your rituals today? What are some practices you do to connect to the feminine or to be present and show up for your great work? Mm. Well, I have a toddler and so that's changed things for me. And I've, I, I've gone through my grumpy, I, hopefully I'm on the other side of my grumpy (laughs) phase of, of having my life change and my personal time change so dramatically. Um, but it's helped me actually find new rituals. And one of them is not every day, but very often I will, um, make tea, sometimes cacao in the morning and sit on the living room floor with my little son and we'll pull Oracle cards together and I'll play music and we'll pray. I was raised part-time Hindu, I say, because my father's mother, my father's side is Hindu. And so when I was with my grandmother, we would sing, 
you know, Hindu chants and prayers. And so I'll sing with him <laughs> and, um, and we'll dance together and we'll pull cards. And usually it ends up with him, you know, doing some sort of like making a, uh, a road with the Oracle cards while I cry on the floor or something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's a time, it's a time that we get to connect that I get to connect to myself and also integrate him into that and allow him to see the beauty and magic of ritual. And he holds the incense while we light it. And so that's really beautiful. And also just five minutes a day of sitting in silence, you know, no expectations in a relational space with the universe and with my body. You know, I'm not trying to get anything. I'm just trying to be empty and present and open and willing and some of the most beautiful insights come through that space when I'm not looking for them <laughs> specifically, when I'm open and willing um, and unattached. And then also um, regular breath work makes a really big difference in my life. Breath work is so profoundly powerful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Those are a few. Nisha, thank you so much. If you had the ears of all the wise women in the world, what would you share with them? I think the biggest thing is there is what feels natural to us and then there's what's in our nature. And so for many of us, because of perhaps, um, depending on where people grow up, uh, a generation or several generations of isolation of growing up in little nuclear family bubbles where we keep to ourselves. And some of the narratives are nobody wants to hear your problems. Um, you're too needy. Stop being so emotional. Uh, you're sucking up all the energy in the room, whatever it might be, right? You're too big. You're too much. You're not enough. All of those narratives that get internalized, we, what feels natural for many of us is to isolate when things are hard, when we're sad, when we're angry, when we're confused, we just hole up in ourselves and then try to power through, get through, or hide our way through. What's in our nature is to be together. At every other point in human history, we've been together. And so even if I had the, the natural impulse to go away and hide by myself, someone would notice and eventually someone would check on me. And so I could be alone, but I wouldn't be alone if you know what I mean. And I think that there are times where we have to recognize that what's, what feels natural is not always what's in our nature. And sometimes we have to choose the healthy thing, which is to go with what's in our nature in the same way that it might feel natural to just eat sugar all day long. But that will... Um, take a huge toll on the body and the brain. And what's in our nature is to eat foods from nature. That's what's in our nature. And sometimes we have to, again, go against what feels natural in order to align with our deeper nature. And so one of my favorite um, things that I would always say to my women is never be sad alone. You know, you're allowed to, we're allowed to, permission to be a sad alone. But also if the, isol if the impulse is to isolate, see if you can lean in instead. See if you can be willing to be seen and held and, and sat with in your grief or confusion, your anger or sadness. 
I think that is so profoundly healing for us as individuals and for our world. We're, we're not meant to carry it by ourselves, none of it. Nisha, thank you so much. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for being mm -hmm. here. Thank you, Erin. So, so grateful. Everyone, feel free to comment below what words of Nisha's resonated with you. Let us know which rituals help you stay calm, centered, and present. As always with podcasts, we need high rating subscribers and comments to receive good standing and to continue sharing wise words with women around the globe. So please comment, subscribe, rate us. We love hearing from you. Big love and looking forward to chatting again next week. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.